The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. We're waiting for a few people to come back from the bathroom. Uh, would any, anybody have any questions you'd like to ask or anything you want to bring up while we're waiting or comments you'd like to make? I was wondering which texts you're reading from. Oh, I mean, this is an anthology that I put together, so it's from a whole series of different texts, so it's not like one place. You didn't publish it or anything? No, the idea, the idea is eventually to have a book on loving kindness and the suttas and all that, but, but it's, um, um, it's a slow project. <laughs> I seem to have a few other things that get in the way. In the same regards, you mentioned a book that was published a thousand years after the Buddha. That, that's called The Path of Purification. It's the English translation, Visuddhimagga. And uh, it's uh, by a man named Buddha Gosha, the voice of the Buddha. Thank you. And um, so, are we all back? Okay. So a couple of things. So the, in this book, The Path of Purification, there's a you know, chapter on Brahma Viharas, and a big section of that is how to deal with um, resentment. Because resentment is one of the, or ill will, one of the big hindrances that can be difficult if you want to have loving kindness, metta. And so he gives a whole bunch of antidotes, a whole bunch of things you can do for it. And there's a couple of things that are quite touching about what he does. Um, one is that he offers something and then he says, well, if that doesn't work, you can try this. And if that doesn't work, you can try this. And if that doesn't work, you can try this. And if that doesn't work, you can try this. It goes on and on. <clears throat> so I kind of appreciated that, <clears throat> you know, it's, it's a tough thing to deal with. Anger, resentment, you know, hostility, all these things. And so, you know, he kind of understands that, appreciates that just... You know, and you can do this, and you can do this, and you know, all these things. But then he comes to the last one, the last thing he offers. At least the way the book is written is like, you know, th- th- you know he, he writes it as if this will work. <laughs> and, and then you can go, to, and then you do this, and then you go and do your loving kindness practice. And um, the last thing he lists, I think it just seems to just work kind of matter of fact, <laughs> is um, you give the person a gift. Isn't that kind of nice? So you give the person a gift. And, uh, and it's, he says something about how in giving a gift, you both <clears throat> helps you, but it also helps uh, remove some of the difficulties of the other person as well. It changes the person you, you give it to. So the idea of um, doing something in the world is uh, uh, acting in ways that uh, support loving kindness, that bring forth loving kindness. And sometimes, you know, they have this saying, you know, uh, fake it till you make it. Uh, I don't know if we want to go that far, but there is this thing where if you, sometimes when you act on anything, it somehow makes it more real or feeds something. So if you take things that are good to do, something that are nourishing, helpful, supportive, and do them, um, then it kind of nourish, does nourish something inside. 
So if what you're interested in is in goodwill, having a life of goodwill, feeling goodwill for people and approaching people with goodwill, um, it, uh, rather than sitting around waiting, you know, I've got to do more metta practice at home, I better go on a metta retreat, um, you know, and really kind of work on my metta. Um, so sometimes it's actually more effective is actually start acting in the world, doing things that express that goodwill. Even if it's, uh, you know, even if it's just a small, small piece, maybe, you know, you have, you do have hostility to the person, but you do have a smidgen of goodwill. And so maybe you want to kind of just act on that smidgen. And, uh, or maybe you have a lot of goodwill, but you have a lot of, you know, confusion. What to do? Maybe you can do some small thing. You can open the door for them, you know, or something small. But uh, to actually look for, for acts that you can do, uh, uh, actions you can do, is um, I think a very important part of this cultivating and developing it, provided provide you're interested in that. So I would like to um, do one more exercise together around this that I think will hopefully will be fun. Um, but I want to address, a, for the, before we do that, uh, maybe it's all part of, the, part of the same thing, but I want to address w- one interesting thing. So one of the uh, roles that loving-kindness has in the classic Buddhist tradition is that it's a protective, has a protective role. That you call, people are encouraged to cultivate loving-kindness in order to be safe. Because if you cultivate loving-kindness, all kinds of dangers are less likely to come your way. And um, so if you have a lot of kindness, those angry people are less likely to kind of attack you because you're you know, less likely. So, you know. And so the idea is it's protective. And so there's a story in this uh, suttas of a monk who got bitten by a snake and died. And so some of the other monks went to the Buddha and said, look, you know, this guy died. And, um, and so the Buddha replied, um, it is for sure that that monk did not suffuse snakes with loving-kindness. For if he had suffused them with loving-kindness, he would not have died after having been bitten by a snake. For the, for the sake of your self-protection, self-guarding, and self-preservation, I allow you to suffuse the snakes with loving-kindness. <laughs> That's very generous. And... Uh, so, but what's particularly interesting now is, is that then Buddha gives a, 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 some verses that you can chant, you know, if they have snakes come into your quarters and you have to kind of do something about that and you're going to suffuse them, you're going to spread your goodwill to the snakes. So, it's like, and this is down to the present day in Theravada, this is kind of a, called a protective chant. It's chanted at different times. And it goes um, uh, something like this. Um, May I have loving kindness for the Virupaka snakes. May I have, I, oh, I have loving kindness for the Arafatha snakes. I have loving kindness for the Chabya snakes. I think different species of snakes. I have loving kindness for the black Gotamaka snakes. I have loving kindness for beings without feet. I have loving kindness for those with two feet. I have loving kindness for beings with four feet. I have loving kindness for beings with many feet. May beings without feet not harm me. May those with two feet not harm me. May beings with four feet not harm me. May those with many feet not harm me. There is a limit to creeping beings, snakes, scorpions, centipedes, spiders, lizards, and ants. 
I don't know why he said that. But then he, this is the interesting part, the last part of this little verse chant. I have made this safeguard, this protective chant. I've made this protection. May the creatures move on. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, to have goodwill for the snakes doesn't mean, oh, you know, you're in my cabin, you know, my little hut, and oh, you're, I love you, and you can just be here, set up home, and here's a little, some food for you, and I'm just going to love you, and we'll be, get along really well, and, and it's all up to me, and if I just suffuse you and love you, love you, then, you know, we'll just be lovey-dovey, and you'll never bite me, and we'll be happily ever after. That's one naive kind of approach. But here he says, yes, I have a loving kindness for you. I want you to be well. I have goodwill for you. But please don't bite me. Please don't harm me. And in addition, please go. <laughs> so in terms of this idea that uh, you have to, you know, it's, it's a naive idea or idealistic idea of what loving kindness looks like. Uh, you know, it's, there can be goodwill and still put up boundaries or goodwill and take care of yourself. And sometimes you tell someone, you know, you've got to go. Yes. So it just occurred to me as I was listening to you that um, that there are times when I am um, very kind and have a lot of goodwill towards people who frighten me or who um, I, I think there's sort of a, some low level of anger bubbling under the surface from them, perhaps towards me, perhaps towards just anybody. And... I have a suspicion that that's not the goodwill you're talking about. That that's some, that it's got that protective quality to it. Or that you're protecting yourself when you're kind of... Yeah, I'm, I'm going to make nice with this individual before, so that they won't, uh, won't hurt me right. or whatever. It could, be a, it could be a very good strategy, but um, you can make nice without any goodwill, or you can make nice with goodwill. It's up to you. Yeah, it's, because I think I'm probably making nice without the goodwill. I'm just, I, it's enlightened self-interest. You're trying to you get, know? yeah, yeah. You're, you're, trying to them to, you're trying to get them to go but as quickly as possible. Yeah. Yeah. Leave me alone. Yeah, Leave right. me alone, yeah. And so, but even sometimes it's appropriate to have someone leave you alone. And, you know, you don't want you, you, it's okay to be afraid. It's okay to say, you know, I, I can't deal with this. Um, but it's, it's always a question, as you say no, or as you play nice, or as whatever, uh, uh, can there be goodwill there? And are you interested in having goodwill there? I mean, it's a phenomenal thing to want to have goodwill. Don't underestimate what a powerful thing that is. It's unusual, right? And then don't be hard on yourself if you have a hard time doing it. But it, it, just the fact that you want to do it is a great thing. So, so in those situations, you know, if you want to have goodwill, then you might do exactly the same thing externally. But uh, you would, um, you know, but internally you know that you, you're hoping this person, you know, Wishing well for this person. Uh, Gil, I'm having kind of a hard time with the, what you just read about the person being bitten by a snake. Uh, it it, it kind of reminds me of blaming the victim, like the person who got bit by the snake because they didn't have loving kindness. Do you really feel that way about crime, like someone being attacked on the street, like now? No. Oh, well then what's the, what's the, what's the relevance of the, the sutra to what's going on in our lives right now? 
you know, like, like we, I mean, we live in a country where people have guns and things happen. You know, unfair things happen to people. They go yeah. to jail for no reason. I mean, yes. But in the sutra, it sounds like the person who suffered, the one who got bitten by the snake, it was because they didn't really have goodwill to the snake. That seems to be what it said. I don't yeah. know if we need to generalize in all oh, situations okay. because of it. Okay. And, uh, and, uh, and I think it's a little bit, you know, this kind of language is, there's a certain kind of mythology here. Uh-huh. You know, fairy tale nature to some of these stories. Yeah. So I tend not to take them too seriously if they don't quite fit. Okay. The, the point I was trying to make was the second half of it, mm-hmm. which was uh, you can have goodwill and have good intentions, good wishes for people, mm-hmm. uh, and, but it doesn't mean that you have to, keep, have to stay around. You could also say, like, you know, okay. And so you can, like, if you're frightened by someone, mm-hmm. you can say, you know, I, I really wish you well. Uh, I want to have an open heart to you. And, um, but you frighten me, and, and so I think it's better if I step aside right now. This is not the right time for me. Does that make sense? Yeah. So then there's a whole other thing. And uh, there's also, uh, especially in the monastic communities, but I think it applies to all kinds of situations outside of monastic life, um, reproving others with loving-kindness. And so, the, so someone, the Buddha says, how does a monk reprove another, another monk. By speaking at the right time, speaking what is factual, speaking with gentleness, speaking about uh, what is connected to liberation, and speaking with loving kindness. In another place he says, if a monk is going to reprove another, he should consider, do I have a mind established in loving kindness without malice towards my fellow monks? If this is not the case, then he will be instructed to please establish a mind of loving-kindness towards your fellow monks. So, <clears throat> what I want to emphasize here is that there are times when it's appropriate to uh, reprove someone, to admonish someone, to speak. And they might actually feel hurt if you speak that way. It can become painful to hear that. But um, sometimes it's appropriate to do it. We don't refrain from doing it because we're supposed to be loving. But rather, uh, we try to be loving in order to do it well. Make sense? So, so just, okay. Is that, any questions about that? That was just a little aside before we do the exercise, but it seems like there might be some concern, topics, questions about that? Okay, so. Um, this is going to be, I would like to have you break in up into three groups. I wonder how many people are here. Um, looks like 50 people. Is that right? So let's say there's 48, so, so three groups of, what does that make? Three groups of 16? And um, so maybe we do it this way. <clears throat> can we count? Can you count off one to three, and then re- then remember your number?
Yeah, up here. Under. Okay. One. Okay, and then Betsy. That everyone? Everyone has a number? Okay. So I'm going to give, so you each have a group. And uh, once you form your group, I'm going to go around and give uh, each group a slightly different uh, question to discuss and to come up with answers to. Because when you come back as a group as a whole, we're going to, we're going to, you're going to share your answers with the other group. And, um, and uh, so it's kind of like, you know, Competitive, com- competitive meta. <laughs> and we'll see which group, you know. It's, and um, and uh, so, so I, I don't want you to know each other's questions. So let's see. Group one can meet here. And group two can meet over in that corner, just on the outside, by, on the carpet there, just far, 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 and group three meets someplace in the far end of the outer hall, and you can, there's chairs in the cabinet you can bring out with you and sit in a circle on chairs. So, um, the Buddha once asked a group of three monastics, are you living together on friendly and harmonious terms as milk and water mix together? As opposed to like oil and water separate, right? Do you regard each other with affection? When the monastics replied that they were, the Buddha asked, and how do you do this? And one of the monastics answered, since it has occurred to me that I am fortunate to be living with others, living the holy life. I have loving kindness towards them. In speech, conduct, and thought, I openly and privately extend my loving kindness. On a different occasion, the Buddha gave this teaching to his monastics. He said, there are six caring ways that make for love and respect, that lead to friendliness, harmony, concord, and unity. Publicly and privately, so that's going to be two different ways, the six, two of the six. Publicly and privately, a monastic performs bodily acts of loving-kindness towards his or her good spiritual friends. Publicly or privately, a monastic performs verbal acts of loving-kindness towards his or her good spiritual friends. Publicly or privately, a monastic performs mental acts of loving-kindness towards his or her good spiritual friends. And then he goes on and says, a monastic enjoys sharing his or her possessions with his or her good spiritual friends. So, to, sometimes we have to act. And by acting, only then do we change. So the question was, for each group, was uh, what are the things you can do in a particular category that helps you grow in loving-kindness? And so I did those three areas of body, speech, and mind. It was probably a little bit ambiguous to the body people because I said, what kind of activities you can do? So you might have overlapped with speech. Um, But that's okay. Um, 
And um, so there was one group that was given actions, one group given speech, and one group that was given, um, what can you do with your mind, with your thoughts, and that, you know, actively do something that would help you develop more loving kindness, goodwill. And um, so it'd be great if there's someone be willing to take their best shot, not to summarize everything that was said, but maybe just give your gist for you of what uh, came up in your group or the things that still remain in your mind after all these minutes uh, later. And as we get a sense of these, uh, what, what was talked about in these three different groups. And, uh, you, you, and you can, you, if you start with your group, someone else can fill in if you don't do it all. Don't worry about getting it all. Yeah. So we had the uh, thought group, and I heard a lot about um, mind in your mind, g- gratitude, forgiveness, setting intention. Um, those are the main ones. Okay, and gratitude, and setting intention, forgiveness. What else? What else was talked about in your group? Changing the body to change your mind. So everything from scrubbing the bathroom really hard to uh, doing a workout. This is for the thought group? Yeah, for the oh. thought, because if you shift your body state, you shift your mind state often. Okay, great. I saw a hand here in front of you. Uh, the same group again. Uh, it was about sense of humor, turning the entire negative thought by introducing humor into that. Mm, nice, very nice. So, are we still on the thought group? Yes. So, if someone's being very angry, very, very difficult, um, pushing your buttons, just remember, if it's if it's true, this person's suffering more than I am. Mm-hmm. It makes it easier to feel compassion. Great. And then Meryl. No, we're still doing thought. Maybe that's enough. Maybe we can do speech now. Um, in the speech group, it kept coming up of how when you call tech support, that's like a really great way to like experiment with your loving kindness and work with your loving kindness because you can, you can always call back. And so what we talked about was um, trying to connect with the human on the other side and the different, whether it's asking them how they are or accepting you know, that they can't fix things. Mm-hmm. Great. So practicing kind speech with complete strangers you'll never see again. And so you can experiment with different ways. Oh, yeah, okay. Um, so the kinds of things we said about speech were doing the small, simple acts that don't say, I'm in love with you if you're really having a hard time with them. We were, we, this was all, how do you use loving kindness in speech in order to cultivate it in yourself toward that right. person? Right. right. Okay. So um, giving them some positive reinforcement when they do do something nice, acknowledge their achievement, their good acts, provide encouragement when it looks like they need it, 
um, if you, even if you disagree with the substance of what they're saying, you can acknowledge their feelings and needs around it. Um, uh, be a good listener. Um, show a genuine understanding. Uh, get develop a genuine understanding of the other person's experience or point of view before you speak. So you put yourself in their mm-hmm. shoes a bit. Um, in general, get outside yourself. Um, and I think getting clear about your own intentions before you before you speak, if your if your genuine intentions are something you really want to deal with before you talk to them, you have a chance to to do that. Um, and then you you can even be clearer with them when you speak. Um, and wait to speak until you're ready to listen. <laughs> well, wonderful. And so, so a lot of especially at the beginning of them sounded like they're also good for the other person, even though you're doing them because it's benefiting you. Well, it, it, it amounts to using speech as a gift. Uh-huh. Oh, nice. Very nice. Someone else from the speech group? Well, what? Okay. He's a note taker. <laughs> you have a brain. <laughs> I also recall a couple um, comments about choosing to, to share things that are positive, a joy that happened today, something fun, something funny, and also thanking uh, people. Mm, great. I'll just add that I noticed during the group and during the list that the theme of um, g- genuinely doing something that's not in your self-interest, but in the other person's self-interest, genuinely, mm-hmm. that that <laughs> actually generates... Uh, warmth and goodwill mm-hmm. for yourself. Nice. And seeing that really clearly. Nice. Great, thank you. So then, uh, the action group. I wonder what I. Don't even. Someone, someone, someone want to act? <laughs> <laughs> That was group one. The action group was group one. Sitting, you guys are the ones sitting over here, remember? <laughs> so I'll just read out some. Yes, please. Uh, getting enough sleep, <laughs> balanced eating, exercise, serving, helping, like finding a sense of community with anyone that walks by, uh, working with children, uh, creating art, hugging people, playing on a beach with a happy dog, <laughs> um, generosity, uh, calling people for dinners or feeding them, slowing down, uh, be grateful, Good manners on the freeway. (laughs) Um, Softening your sense of strong beliefs or views of rights and wrongs. Um, Being aware that everyone else is suffering. Deep listening. Paying it forward like those chains of paying it forward. Uh, sending, like, actually taking time to ride a card or 
and going to the post office and posting it off or writing a letter and going to that person and reading it out aloud to them, um, making a phone call and just telling someone what they mean to you mm. um, without an agenda, like just uh -huh. um, supporting others in their dharma practice. Uh, and like mindful speech. <laughs> um, yeah, I think we covered a lot. Mm, nice. Great. Someone else from the action group? <laughs> Surfing. <laughs> Not serving. <laughs> But you do a lot of serving, too. Well, yeah. <laughs> Standing there, sitting there by the soundboard. <laughs> surfing, yes. Looking people in the eye when you speak to them? Listening, uh, listening to them, yeah, good. So, um, the, um, so cultivating goodwill, loving-kindness, begins with wanting to, feeling that's important somehow, that, that this would be meaningful, important, valuable, maturing, developing, onward leading for you, and it's a good way of living a life that supports other people's as well. And so it starts with wanting to, and, and I w don't underestimate, as I said earlier, how powerful and significant it is to want to do it. Um, uh, it's actually such a big like you're over a hump, or it's such a big deal to, to want to do it in a world where so little of that goes on. And so give yourself credit for wanting, so that you don't uh, feel bad at uh, the various ways which you're not as successful as you want to do it. Just It's great to want to. And then uh, you don't have to uh, leave it to chance that you're going to, yes, I would like to be happy loving, and just, you know, it's just when the stars are aligned, it'll somehow happen. Um, but uh, you leave it to chance. But rather, you can uh, do things to create the conditions where you're more likely to have your loving-kindness more likely to come to the surface. It's going to be there more often. And, um, and so you can do things with... Uh, you can act, you can do things, you can speak in certain ways, and you can engage your thoughts and reflections in such a way that uh, you're actively involved in looking, well, what is the kind thing here? What, what can I do that's the kind thing? And uh, you might not feel so kind in the situation, but having gone through that reflection because you want to be kind strengthens and nourishes that side of yourself. And by actually doing these things, sometimes uh, it kind of marshals the energies in your system in such a way that strengthens, develops, augments the, you know, your, your, your uh, habit or your propensity towards being a kind person, having a good will. And, um, and you know, an important part of Buddhist teachings is that of conditioning that we are conditioned by causes and effect, but we can have some role in what, what uh, conditions influence us. And if you don't take some control over it, then there's a society of people out there who want to do it for you. And you'll be influenced by society and all kinds of things. And within reason, it's a beautiful and healthy thing to want to set, set up the conditions that support you to grow in particular ways. And uh, if you want to grow in goodwill, there are things that you can do. And to spend a period of time, spend a day, spend a week, spend diff different times of the day, different, just, just reflecting 
um, what would what would be the uh, what would be the the kind thing to do here? What would be the supportive thing to do here? Uh, uh, what would be uh, the well-wishing thing to do here for these people I'm with? And just reflecting and thinking about that, um, and uh, is part of the effort to, to think about it. And sometimes we need a lot of wisdom to know what the right thing to do is or the best thing to do, because it's easy to have um, uh, misplaced goodwill. It's easy to come, you know, to come from goodwill, kindness, and actually make things worse, or, or um, do it, do something that actually maybe is uh, patronizing for the person you're with, or looking down on them, or you can, sometimes you can harm yourself even if you just try to be just kind at all expenses and not take care of yourself either. And, um, but part of this idea is to get wealthy for yourself, to really grow and develop, become big, become strong. So you don't want to diminish yourself when you do this kind of practice, any kind of Buddhist practice. Um, you don't want to puff yourself up, but you certainly don't want to diminish yourself. And so you want to be careful what you do, that you're not sacrificing or giving away too much of your things or yourself or whatever, your time or whatever, if it exhausts you or, or drains you or somehow makes you feel resentful or something. Um, but this idea of fake it until you make it uh, is not a great saying, but it's a very interesting one that uh, we might want to keep in mind. Um, So I want to end with this uh, poem, and this is from, uh, an, uh, from a t- collection of texts called the Teragata, the verses of the elders, verses of the monks. And um, this monk wrote, or composed, I am a friend to all, a helper to all. I am sympathetic to all beings. I develop a m- I develop a mind I develop a mind full of metta and delight in harmlessness. I gladden my mind, I make it immovable and unshakable. I develop the Brahma Viharas uh, that are not cultivated by hostile people. So it's a nice description of what he does. So he's talking about himself. This is the things he does. But uh, I'm a friend, a friend to all, a helper to all. I'm sympathetic to all living beings. I develop a mindfulness, a mindful of metta and delight in harmlessness. A beautiful poem, 2,500 years old, um, that's been preserved. Uh, beautiful care. In the Theravada tradition that we're part of here, the word metta is sometimes... Uh, because of the way these books, you know, these 2,000 years after the life, uh, time of the Buddha books that kind of define things very finely, sometimes give the impression that loving kindness is, uh, um, is, um, is, that does not involve compassion. Compassion is distinct and separate. But the way that this, the word metta and loving kindness is often used down through the centuries from the very beginning, um, it, it encompasses and includes compassion is the impression I get. It includes caring for the people who are suffering. And so many times when you hear Theravadan teachers talk about metta, it might be useful to think of it as uh, uh, inclusive of compassion rather than just compassion is separate. And one of the the reasons why that's useful to take into mind 
is that um, the Theravada uh, gets a certain kind of um, criticism from the Mahayana. And the Mahayana sometimes have this attitude that we're the ones who have compassion. You know, we have all this compassion, we do this whole compassion thing because they talk a lot about compassion. And, uh, but those Theravadins, they just do the metta thing. And, um, but uh, I don't think we need to be, you know, one-upmanship like this. But, uh, but I think that um, the, um, uh, but it's partly because of, you know, that uh, l- later the definitions got so tight, they compartmentalized, that the assumption was that metta and, and compassion were two different things somehow. But I think the way it's often used, as I said, it's often uh, karuna, compassion, is an aspect of metta. And uh, so it's included within it. So, um, okay, um, as a way of ending today, I wonder if a couple of you who are image people, some of you are thinking images more than anything else, and uh, it might be interesting if you would like to offer an image for what this day has been like for you. So some image of something that you'd benefited from today or some image that represents this day we've had together. Anybody want to try and come up with an image? Uh, it's mainly from just the, uh, I think in the morning when we had the partner yeah. thing. I, I was unexpectedly deep, like being in a very deep canyon, like getting yeah. into the, Greek, mm. the, the great canyon of thinking about uh, metta, you know. Ah, we're all traveling down the Grand Canyon. The together. fjords, you know, here the we go. Fjords, yeah. <laughs> in, a, in, a, in a little, uh, what do you call those things, those, those little boats, those rafts uh-huh. that you go down the river. Great, yeah. so the image of a canyon going deep. Any other images for today? So, uh, like zooming out uh, on this planet with all these things going on, there are like these few spots and few time spans uh, of such activities. Uh, And it's great to be together with Mm. this bunch of people. So there are these spots in the world. So that evokes for me the image of of looking at the globe at night and seeing a few lights on around. Yeah. A few uh, lights of hope, I would say, Uh or of um, a few lights of direction or Uh wisdom, all of that put together. Great, thank you. Any other images? Rays of light emanating from a brilliant sunrise. <laughs> nice. Shining, what is it? Shining, dazzling, blazing and dazzling. <laughs> I thought she was going to end up with what I was going to say, slightly different. Um, the um, uh, rays of light emanating from our bellies. From our? Our bellies. Our bellies, nice. Rays of light. So may we take the light that comes from our bellies and our deep canyons <laughs> and, uh, and uh, share it with uh, 
those people we encounter as we leave here on the streets and in our communities and places of work, may that in uh, public and private, meaning ways that people can see and ways that people can't see, may we um, uh, express and live our goodwill for the welfare and happiness of all beings everywhere. So thank you. So we'll meet in November for one more 